Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and to Aboriginal elders emerging. We're in stage four lockdown here in my hometown of Melbourne as we battle our way through our second wave of COVID-19 infections. This one is much deadlier than the first and our elderly have been hardest hit. As we still see new outbreaks popping up in aged care facilities around the city and the death toll is rising, A royal commission into our aged care system is in full swing. It sounds like an impressively swift response, but the fact is that this royal commission has been going for two years and was all set to wrap up just as the outbreak hit and changed the game, as it does. The thing is, the royal commission is just one of nine investigations into the aged care system commissioned by the Australian federal government in the last four years. Aged care is the responsibility of the federal government in Australia But in 1997, the Howard government passed the Aged Care Act, enabling private investment in the sector. Australia's ageing population meant it was an attractive investment for private equity firms and superannuation funds, the kinds of serious investors who are driven by profit. We must assume that the Turnbull and Morrison governments have been concerned about aged care because they've commissioned so many reports, reviews, impact analyses and assessments over the last four years, and yet, According to evidence heard in the last couple of weeks, when it came to COVID-19, there was still a failure to provide the same health response to residential aged care that was delivered to the rest of Australia. Even after the first wave presented in Melbourne earlier this year, according to Senior Counsel Assisting the Commission, Peter Rosen QC, not all that could have been done was done. Unfortunately, aged care workers are bearing the brunt of the community's fear and anger. There are lots of rumours circulating in the community about poor standards of care and communication with families. And recently, I saw a comment on social media by an aged care worker who'd had enough. She wrote simply that she cared very deeply about each and every resident in her care. She asked for compassion for aged care workers who were doing their best under difficult circumstances and who would never knowingly endanger their patients. I'm Michelle Laurie and this is the Nitty Gritty Committee, stories about the guts and the glory of life. And this week we're talking to that lady who left that comment. Her name is Julie and she agreed to talk to me about her life right now, working inside a residential aged care facility in Melbourne. 
most people that uh, go into aged care, you know, go into it because they have a passion for caring for people. Um, you know, you're caring for the vo- most vulnerable of our society. And people that have fought for our freedom, I think that's the thing that really sticks out to me is that I just think these people have got such rich history um, and they've gone through these kind of things. Um, you know, so, so aged care workers are really special people in my opinion. Um, it's been my, for me, it's been my career of choice, um, even when it, it, at a time when it was really un, untrendy, was not trendy to be an aged care worker. How long have it you was, been in aged care? Uh, for about 25 years, just over 25 years. So, so I graduated straight out of nursing and went into a community care uh, slash aged care role where I was um, responsible for delivering services to people that were living isolated in the community in Melbourne. And I loved it. I just never, I did, you know, the usual few shifts in a, in a hospital and I didn't get a grad year um, and I was quite happy about that. And I loved being able to go out and just visit these people. And, you know, sometimes you're the only person in their day that, that they see. Um, so, you know, they just love it when you knock on their door to deliver their services for them. Or if you're working in a facility, you know, the, 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 a lot of them are, die alone. You know, sometimes you're the last person that they see on this earth, you know. Mm. Yeah, and you do, I know what you mean, it's a real privilege to visit people in their homes, isn't it? And it's fun and it's lovely and you have this sort of ongoing conversation that you pick up every visit, don't you? Absolutely. And you do become like part of the family. You know, there's obviously that professional line that we hold, but, um, you know, for some of them that don't, that don't have a lot of family, you're the one that, that brings that aspect and they live almost vicariously through your life. So, you know, you share about what's happening in your family life. You share what your kids are up to and, and they remember those things. You know, you go back the next day and they'll say, now what's happening? How did that young young child of yours go with an exam or you know how did they go with that test they were doing or did they get their license or yeah you know they 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 really I think you know that kind of relationship that you have with them when they're in an isolated situation where they can't get out sometimes or where they can't you know they don't have family come visit them you know you're the link to the outside world so when you read I don't know if you're even bothering to read but some of them you couldn't avoid when you read headlines like Australia's COVID aged care deaths is the worst disaster that's it's unfolding before my eyes we've got some of the worst statistics in the world when you're hearing these horror stories and people are talking about this the disaster that is aged care in Australia how does that make you feel well the disaster is not about the aged care workers that's not the disaster. No, but how does um, it, before we move to what it, the disaster is, how does it make you feel to have the field that you have devoted your adult mm, life to yeah. discussed that way by people who don't know? Who, who... Oh, it's incredibly um, insulting and very hurtful, you know, knowing that you are an essential service, you are one of those people that put their life on their line for other people often. Um, you know, you're in difficult situations, you're in very vulnerable situations. And so to be blamed, uh, yeah, it's it's really, really hurtful. Yeah. Did you think sort of long and hard about 
posting that comment on Facebook? Like, are you at the point where you would consider not admitting that you work in aged care at the moment? Um, I have been at that point at different points in my, in my life. Um, you know, there's a degree of um, you don't quite cut it as a nurse if you work in aged care. Um, oh, you didn't quite make the grade to be good enough to work in a hospital. I've had that thrown at me too at different points. And I kind of scoff at that now because I'm like, yeah, well, you know, look, look where we are now, you know, where aged care workers are absolutely essential right now. We need them more than we need any other kind of worker, you know, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a great deal of, I guess that's part of the reason why I made the comment because the frustration really gets to me that I just go, you know, I'm an educated woman, you know, like I'm, I'm not somebody that couldn't choose what I wanted to do. I didn't choose it because there was nothing else to do. I chose it because I was passionate about working in aged care. So yeah, it really makes me mad when I see um, the disrespect that's thrown at any of our emergency services right now. Mm. And there have been days recently where everywhere I went before we were completely locked down, everywhere I went, I could hear people talking about it and saying things like, I've heard they didn't understand how to wear the protective gear. I heard they're not even qualified. I've heard gossiping about aged care workers. Yeah, yeah. And look, you know what? This, there's probably aspects of that that are true. Um, you know, I think that the ANMF, particularly over many, that? many years. What is that? That's the Australian Nursing Midwifery Foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they have been um, working tirelessly for many, many years for ratios in nursing. So the number of staff to the number of patients. Um, and there's this great campaign out there at the moment called um, Time, Time for Ruby. Um, you can check it out on the ANMF website and it's about ratios in aged care. And it's one of the things that really does need to change is that um, often we are working really stretched um, where we don't always have enough staff to cover the requirements of the elderly that we're looking after. Mm. So what, what do you think is the problem? What, what's gone wrong here? What's happened? Uh, I think that um, on a broad, broad scale, I think part of the problem is the lack of respect for the elderly and the lack of respect for the industry, um, the aged care industry. It can be... Um, it can be a bit money-driven, you know. There's always that element to it. Um, but I think that um, we, as a, as a group, as, as a collective, I think aged care probably would be under-resourced. I think that's where we started to go wrong with this um, pandemic is that we just were under-resourced and we, um, we underestimated the impact that it was going to have in our aged care facilities. Yeah, I remember... When Cheryl went in, and she didn't like it, of course, you know, I, I guess probably most people don't, I would be my guess, and she was very independent beforehand. And little things we both noticed, like they had to have dinner very early because then they wouldn't have to pay for another shift of kitchen staff, for example. Things like that? Is that what you mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, look, I mean, I, I, can, I can rattle off loads of stories you know, different things that I've seen over many, many, many years. If I think about where we started out with aged care, when I started working in aged care, you know, we were wheeling people down the corridor 
um, with capes around them because there was no en suites in the, you know, in the in the bedroom. So you, you we were still operating with multiple people in a ward or a room, and you would have to take them down to the to the shower. So you did that. You'd, you'd take their clothes off in the in the bedroom. You'd wheel them down the corridor with a cape over them. Um, you know, I think about that now and just go, that is abhorrent. How how that was normal. Um, and it was time efficient, right? <laughs> and then you would wheel these people back on the on a shower chair and back to their room, and you'd get them dressed. Whereas you know we've come so far in aged care where we've got you know some beautiful facilities that people can spend the last days of their life. They've got you know amazing views in the city, or they've got lovely you know surroundings. You know, so we have moved a long way. Yeah. But even those things, this place that you, as you're saying that, I think, oh God. It seems a bit crook that she was complaining about having to have dinner early when that's the yeah. way it was, you know, earlier because this place had an aviary in the middle. I thought it was stunning. It had this huge, it was obviously initially a void and so they, they transformed it into an aviary and it was so beautiful. And then when you talk about that, because we do, I think we, when we're younger, we all think of elderly people as different to us and we don't realise that, oh, I'm still going to feel like me when that's me. Absolutely. And then suddenly someone else is going, no, no, you're not you anymore. You're just a person who can now just have a cape and be naked under it and be wheeled down the hallway. Or you're a person who can have dinner at four now. Yeah. You know? We, we still have a voice. Yes. You know, our elderly still have a voice. And I think this is one of the most frustrating things. They're still normal. They're still normal people. Yeah. If you talk to, if you talk to an elderly person, they'll say to you, I still feel like I'm only 30 years old or, you know, however old they are. It, you know, there's a part of us that the that intrinsic part of ourselves that doesn't actually change. You know, and what's going on on the outside? Yes, we you know we we age, we get old, we lose our mobility and our functions, and we we lose our our cognitive ability. But you know, the essence of the person is still there. Yeah. What do you think about the? I have this theory that the the fundamental idea of moving old people into facilities is actually possibly at the heart of the entire problem that we're facing where young people in adverted commas are not that bothered about the virus because they feel like it's not going to kill them. What do you think about that? Because they don't see old people. They don't live with old people. You know, three generations ago, old people still lived with the family, whereas now young people don't live with old people. They're not connected with them. They don't engage with them. They don't know them. Yeah, look, I mean, there's a part of it that's probably just the naivety of youth, isn't it? You know, like, uh, you know, you just go, oh, yeah, I'm invincible. It's not going to bother me. I'm fit. I'm healthy. I think we've all fallen into that trap with COVID where we, you know, we go, oh, yeah, it's no big deal. I've My, my immune system's really strong. I'm not going to get sick. And then the next thing you know, oh, crap, you know, I'm sick. Um, but, yeah, I think that um, the concept of uh, locking people away or putting people away in a home um, I, I hope we're moving away from that ideology. I don't think that that's where we're, we still are. I think that, um, you know, there's always going to be an element of that, but I think that we are, hopefully, we're moving past that. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, 
you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. How are you going at work now? I know you worked this morning. What's the what's the atmosphere? Are the people in in the place where you work? Are they frightened? Are they? How do they fit? Yep. Really. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a great amount of fear, even amongst the staff. You know, like, um, you know, the um, the access to masks, um, you know, and your basic PPE. Do we wear them in the staff room? Do we not wear them in the staff room? Do we do we have to? You know, how often are we allowed to change? Oh, really? Still? Um, yeah, yeah. You've got to sign. You, every time you take a mask out of the box, you've got to sign for it, you know. So there's a degree of, um, you know, for me, I just, you know, I, when I, last time I worked, I just took as many masks out of the box that I needed. Yeah. So, you know, going in and out of a, a patient's room or a resident's room, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be wearing the same mask every time if I know that, you know, that's not safe. What's the hesitation? Are they running out? Is there a shortage? I don't know that there's a shortage, but I certainly think that there's, um, yeah, perhaps a fear around not being able to access enough PPE. Yeah, yeah. I had to work, um, I worked a couple of weeks ago and I had uh, a, a resident that had been tested for COVID and we were still waiting for the results and um she had all the correct PPE that everything was set up there. It was all, we were very well resourced for her. Um, but there was only one, uh, only two sets of goggles. So there was only two, two staff members that were allowed to go in and out of this room, um, which was good. That was all really great precautions were all put in place, but there was only two sets of goggles. So every time I went in and out of the room, I had to wash the goggles and then put them back. And then there was no guarantee that I was going to get the same pair of goggles the next time I went back. Um, so, you know, there's those kind of things where you go, I can see where when you've got something really uh, contagious and something as infectious as COVID, that where when you try and cut corners, it's it's just going to end in disaster. Yeah, because you're already under-resourced, you're already stretched, you're in a hurry all the time, you're running, running, running. Yeah. yeah. So then where do I wash those goggles? Like, what do I do? Do I go to the hand basin, do I wash them, or do I have to carry them there somewhere else into a pan room or somewhere else to go and, and wash them, you know? Yeah, so those kind of things that I think we are all overthinking at this point and where sometimes you feel like you're, the guidelines or the requirements of what or what is required of you is not clear. Yeah, obviously. I can't believe you, you still don't have that confidence of procedure Yeah, when you're working in it. Are your residents allowed to see their families? How are you going with that? Because that's the other thing everyone's talking about is I've heard people are ringing up and can't speak to their parents or I heard a guy rang up and they told him his dad was resting comfortably and then half an hour later they said no he died this morning what's happening with all around all of that yeah so from my experience um family are able to come and sit outside the facility so we've got one spot that we've set up for um, the residents to sit at the window um, some residents have their own mobile phone so they can sit there and they can talk to each other on their own phones and they can see each other um, there was a, a story in the news just a couple of days ago about a, a really cool idea where people have um, set up like a container ship and they've got big screens in between and so they, you know, got microphones and the family can come in. Um, but I think that 
the difficulty around that is, you know, particularly if you're working with people that have got dementia, mm. they don't know how to use a mobile phone. They don't have access to a phone. So the family, me- the family member rings the facility and the phone gets diverted to the nurse. The nurse is then responsible to go and find the patient or the resident to discuss, you know, to, to share the phone call with them. Um, so that in itself is a whole other issue. So what happens to the phone? So the phones come in contact with a resident. I'm now using the phone that the residents just used. You know, there's all of these really small places where you've got to really be thinking, you know, real critically about how we're operating to manage this. So there's even a part of me that was like, I don't actually want to take the phone yeah. to the resident, you know, because I'm concerned that, you know, who else has used the phone today? Where's this phone been? How many residents have touched this phone? You know, like, yeah. So I can appreciate I if, if my loved one was in an aged care facility, of course, you'd want to be talking to them and you'd want to have good communication with them. But there's this whole back end <laughs> from a nurse's perspective that you're going, this really concerns me that I that I have to do this, you know? Yeah. And if there is a known outbreak inside a facility, I would assume that there'd be just the privacy issues would be a minefield too, wouldn't they? If you're ringing up to say, I just want to know what's happening with my mother, Mary, then mm. that would just open up a whole web of privacy issues for everybody else, wouldn't it? It's like, I can't really tell you because... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, and look, I mean, most people in an aged care facility have got some kind of power of attorney or they've got some kind of contact of that, the, that the information can be released to. So that would be our first um, port of call to make sure that that person that's ringing is the one that can actually, the, the information can be disclosed to. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of no-brainer really. But um, yeah, like... You, particularly if you've got people outside the facility, like it appeared with some of the, the outbreaks where you've got people perhaps that are sitting remotely somewhere else, aren't actually in the facility, don't know what's taking place, making random phone calls only based on the information that they are given, um, then, yeah, that's really distressing for, for family. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Do you think you will stay in the job after this? I mean, is this enough for you? This must be – I mean, you didn't sign up for this. This is next level. Yeah, it's it's pretty epic, I've got to say. Um, you know, there's there's a real fear, I think, sort of starting to creep in. The thing about nurses is that we're all we're all fairly resilient, um, and I can see even amongst some of my colleagues, you know, there's this real fear around having to go to work. Um, you know, can I? Do I have to go to my shift? Do I want to go to my shift? Am I putting my family at risk? Um, but it's, you know. Obviously, the first time we faced a pandemic, but it's not the first time that we've faced infection control. Uh, nurses are highly skilled in infection control. Um, I think that's, you know, probably one of the reasons why this outbreak occurred is that not all aged care facilities are actually staffed with qualified nurses, um, which is why the ratios are so important in aged care moving forward. But it certainly won't be the thing that will stop me from doing what I love the most. Yeah, I'm really passionate about my nursing career and um, my my residents that I look after. You know, you just um, I, I just think that it would be, you know, I can appreciate why people would find it really stressful and and would go, "That's it, I, I'm done." You know, because you're putting putting yourself and your own family at risk. Um, but I think for me, I, I love love my residents too much to 
to not but do that. But also unfairly, this time you're actually being targeted. You know, yeah, you yeah. are resilient and it is everything you've trained for. But this time you're facing this backlash where, you know, everyone at Aldi reckons that you've cocked up somehow. <laughs> it's just so unfair. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty unfair, but it's kind of part of the job. You know, people, people want people to blame don't they you know somebody wants somebody's got the box the buck's got to stop somewhere um you know and i'm not i'm not certainly not saying that it it stops with nurses by any stretch of the imagination um but yeah i think that's just society people want somebody to blame you know yeah all those people shouting at the virus in their various ways say they won't wear a mask or whatever it is they're really just screaming at the virus you know yeah for sure how are you coping with all the other things that that the rest of us are doing are you how is your sleep how is your drinking how are you going Mm. with all of those other things that we're all struggling with yeah um i think um sleep sleep's a tough one you know i as I explained to you, I wear a couple of hats. I also do some teaching as well. And some of my students are starting to show signs of anxiety. And so I find myself thinking about how we're going to sort that out. What's the next thing to do? How do we provide a safe environment for them when they're in the learning environment? Are you going to go to work the next day and and find out that your resident has died, for example? Mm. You know, all of those things are are really tough, you know. And And I think it doesn't matter how many people you've seen die or how many people you've held their hand and watched their last breath you know it it doesn't leave you you know it's the kind of thing that you it does it does take its toll yeah and the you know oh well he had a good run that doesn't help yeah I think it comes back to like what I said before you know you build that relationship with your with your residents and it's particularly if you've been working in the same place for a long period of time you you just have that rapport with people and so it is yeah it's really sad and how is their health, those who haven't been affected by COVID, how is the stress and the fear showing in them in other ways? Yeah, so, I mean, look, in some respects, <laughs> and this is not a disrespectful comment to those people that suffer with dementia, but in some respects, it's a bit of a blessing, you know, at, at times like this, you know, you can you can have a lot of people that are just happily demented and oblivious to what's going on around them and you know I kind of go well if I if I have to have dementia that's what I want to be like I always think that yeah. I, always think, I always suspect that dementia is much harder on the family than the person true yeah. yeah yeah really true so yeah but you know look it's it's pretty normal they do detect the abnormalities or the stress that's taking on taking place around them and you might see that exhibit in certain behaviors that come out at particular times of the day or somebody that's normally uh, fairly chilled kind of person is is quite anxious by the fact that the staff are all walking around in PPE all the time and you know it just adds to that level of confusion for them so yeah it can be really tough yeah I've got a niece who's two and we always talk about the fact that you know how lucky she is as well she has no idea what's going on at yeah all. yeah yeah so to be two or demented are probably the best yes to be. <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> Have we missed anything? Is there anything else that you would like everyone to know? Uh, oh, look, I just, I just would love people to really acknowledge that aged care nurses have got to be amongst some of the greatest champions, you know, on this earth. All nurses are, but I'll just speak from my experience and just say that it's been an absolute privilege to have worked 
um, in this field for so long and to still be energized, like you can probably tell, I get quite energized talking about it, which is why I wanted to talk to you today because I thought people people need to know that um, this is an amazing career choice. It is an amazing privilege to stand alongside an elderly man who is uh, stressed out because renovations are taking place in the home and he can't go and sit in the chair that he normally sits with. And, you know, so you have this lovely moment where you say to him, why don't you just, why don't don't we just listen to some music? Come on, we'll turn some music on. So we go over and we turn the music on. And before I know it, I have evoked a memory for this guy and he's whipping me around the dance floor like he did when he was about 30 years old. You know, like moments like that stick with me and I just go, that is just gold. You know, I, I would not have missed that for anything. So the next time, I just would say, the next time you see a nurse or an aged care worker, just give them a thumbs up and say, hey, thanks so much for what you do, looking after some of the most vulnerable people in our society. It's really, really important. Yeah. And I would add to that, that next time you're tempted to get drawn into a conversation at the shops or wherever yeah. about how nurses or how aged care staff have obviously... Stuffed up. Yeah. <laughs> ruined our lives and led us all into lockdown. Maybe think yeah. twice about getting involved in that conversation because we don't know, because we don't work in those facilities. We actually don't know what we're talking about. So leave it. Yep, that's right. You know, it's the, it's the old saying, isn't it? You know, you haven't walked in my shoes. You haven't walked in, in a somebody with dementia's shoes. You don't know what it's like. You don't know no. the link that, that an aged care worker can be, you know, in that space. So, yeah. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Nitty Gritty Committee made in association with the ACAST Creator Network. It would be great if you could find the time to leave us a review and lots of stars. We'll be back next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.